0: All right. Well, we've been in a series in the book of James that we are doing based on a book called Be Mature by Pastor uh, Wiersbe. And so we just want to continue in this series tonight. We are actually in James 1 verses 19 to 27. And tonight's topic is how to stop deceiving ourselves and receive the word. There are several things in this passage that will teach us how to stop deceiving ourselves and that we can start producing fruit in our life. And so the message is going to be good for both the believer and maybe even for those that are watching that are just seeking. You don't know much about God or you know some, but you're still seeking. You're not quite there yet. But I believe that this message can also speak to your heart. So the first thing we need to say about this is that many people people deceive themselves. Some deceive themselves thinking that they are saved or that they are all set with God when they're actually not. How do we know this? Because in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23, Jesus teaches this. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Wow. And then there are believers who actually fool themselves into thinking that they are spiritually mature When they are not and might I just say I don't think there's any more dangerous person on the planet who thinks they are spiritually mature when they really are not revelation 317 puts it this way and the writer is speaking to the church in Laodicea It says this to to the believers in Laodicea says you say I am rich I have everything I want I don't need a thing and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked how sad is that testimony? So how do we keep from fooling ourselves? How do we keep from this self-deception that so many people fall into? Well, there's really three main things that we can find in the passage in James 1:19 to 27. The first one is to receive the Word, the Word of God. To practice the Word. And then the third thing is to share the Word. As I've already stated, this study tonight will focus on the very first one, and that is receiving the word. So let's jump right into James, and let's talk about this. James 1, 19 to 21 says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger or man's anger does not produce the righteousness or the justice that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. In Matthew chapter 13, we read this parable that we call the parable of the sower and it's all about the way that people receive the message of the kingdom of god into their hearts and how the evil one wants to come and try to snatch away the seed that has been planted there jesus describes in that parable four kinds of hearts that we as humans could have he says this there's the person that has the hard heart what is a hard-hearted person A hard-hearted person is someone who does not understand or receive the word. So the word might have come to them. They may have been in a service or they may have heard a message somewhere and it was from the word, but yet they didn't receive it. They didn't understand it and therefore they didn't bear any spiritual fruit because of it. And there's someone who has a shallow heart. This is somebody that's very emotional. I mean, they receive the word immediately in their heart. The Bible says, Jesus says this, with joy. So in other words, it's like, wow, I never heard that before. That makes me so happy. I accept it. I bring it into my life and in my heart. But yet, their roots don't go deep. They never grow, and they don't last long. To me, this is all about someone that comes and they hear the good news, but there is no discipleship in their life they haven't had any relationship with another christian to be able to grow in their faith in god and sadly they don't last long and then there's the person who has a crowded heart what's that the the scripture even says maybe thorny ground the crowded heart is someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the scripture says and the lures of wealth draw them away And that is so true of our day, isn't it? That we have so many worries in this life. We have so many lures, so many temptations, so many other focuses that we could put our mind on because we have such access to all types of information through our computers, through our phones, which are really computers, through social media, everything, that those lures take us quickly away and they crowd out the word that was planted in our hearts. That's the crowded heart. And then the final heart is the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart is one that receives the word, and it allows it to take root. It becomes filled with the word, and it begins to produce a harvest of fruit. And more fruit is produced over and over again in this type of heart, because it was a heart that was well cultivated. Jesus teaches us that the final test of salvation is what? fruit. The final test, how do we know we're good with God? How do we know it is fruit? This is what Jesus says. This means there must be a changed life. Christian character and conduct must develop. Ministry to others must take place. For the glory of God. This is what God wants to do in every person's life. You that believe and you that don't believe yet, God wants to come into your life and that seed of good news, He wants it planted in your heart and you to have deep roots and for your life to begin to change and to transform. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. And He loves us. He created us to be with Him. He created us to do His works. He created works in advance for us to do. And so I'm telling you, if you're watching this, listen, there's a God. Call out to Him because He wants to do incredible things in your life, and He loves you. He has great things for you. So would you consider having a fruitful heart? Listen, what does a fruitful heart look like? Well, it can look like many things. It means that This can be winning souls for Christ. It can be spiritual character. Listen, who you are is important. And all of a sudden, who you are becomes more than you could have imagined. You have great character. You're trustworthy. You're honorable. You're pure. You're upstanding. People look at your character and want to emulate the person you have become. When you have a fruitful heart, it's a heart that leads to praising the Lord. Man, you can't help it but praise God because of the things that He has done in your life. You have to sing. You have to shout. You have to tell somebody about it because God is so good. You just realized you have connected with the God of the universe who loves you. And now all of a sudden, your life makes sense. You have purpose in your life. So true and real fruit is reproducing. That's another aspect of what, how do you know it's true fruit? It reproduces. It isn't just a one-time religious act. In other words, God didn't just come into your life one time, all of a sudden he did this quick fix in you, and you became a new person, and then all of a sudden that's it. That's the only growth you had. A, a true fruit is a reproducing fruit. In other words, it produces more fruit. So you continue to grow. How many know we have not arrived yet? How many know that we have not Made it yet. How many know we still struggle and we still have things that need to be changed in our life? But God is working on us, but that fruit begins to reproduce and it begins to be contagious and it begins to be reproduced in people's lives all around us. So that is something we need to consider. From real fruit comes a lasting harvest that continues to grow more fruit. In fact, John chapter 15 verses 1 to 5 says that it will bear much fruit. Much fruit. All right. Jesus taught that we need to not only hear the word, but we need to understand it and obey it. In Luke eight eighteen, the Bible says, so pay attention to how you hear. Did you catch that? It's not just enough to hear, but how we hear To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Who is it that more understanding will be given to? It's to ones that listen to his teaching. Jesus is saying, hey, listen up. Listen up. Because if you listen, I will tell you more. I will give you the understanding. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Wow. I'm not sure exactly how God does that, but I can understand the principle. In other words, you listen to God, God pours more into you. You don't listen to God, and it's like you get further away. You lack understanding, okay? In Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus also teaches, that is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand, In other words, Jesus speaks in these parables that people listen and they don't understand what he's saying. He could tell them the plain truth and they still wouldn't listen and understand. So he tells it in the parable and they have to seek it out a little bit more. They have to listen to the story and ask God for the application. And in the process, God pours fruit into them. God pours truth into them. Some people have attended church. They've attended Bible study, Sunday school, and then maybe they even went to a religious school or even a Bible college, and yet they still have not grown in their spiritual walk. Is this the fault of the preacher or the professor, the teacher? Maybe, but it's also possible that they have a dull hearing because their spiritual life is in decay. Now, that is not to pick on somebody else that you might know, but that's for us to take a look at ourselves to say, I don't want to deceive myself. I want to be a person that is continuing to bear fruit, lasting fruit and reproducing fruit. So if the seed of the word of God has been planted in our hearts, we must obey the instructions of James in our passage. And I want to talk about those instructions for a minute. The first one is found in verse 19 in the first part of that, which says this: Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Let that sink in. Matthew chapter 13, verse 9 reminds us: Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Romans 10:17 also says: So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. How quick are you to listen to what God has to say? Some of us aren't very good at listening to what anyone has to say. We're in the middle of talking, forming thoughts, or doing whatever, but we miss out on a whole lot because we don't stop and listen. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 14-17, to David is hiding in the cave of Adullam, from Saul. He makes this one statement to his men. He says, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. And you know what the Bible says in that story? Three of David's mightiest men, the three, all right? These guys, they heard what David said, and then they went and they broke through the Philistine lines and they went and they drew the water up out of that well. And they brought it back to David so he could drink it. But David wouldn't even drink the water. He just said, you know what? This water is too holy. Uh, these men, they, they, they risked their lives even to get this water. I can't even drink it. That's how honored David felt. And I'm saying that to you because that is the type of listening, the type of obedience that our Heavenly Father is looking for from us. Would we be the mighty men that God is looking for so that when God speaks, we say, we'll go, we'll break through the front lines, we'll go and get it, we will do it for the Lord because we love Him and we obey Him. Wow, that's what God's looking for us. So we have to be quick to listen and, you know, generally it doesn't take us risking our life to listen. It just takes us to stop talking. It takes us to start paying attention. And that's all God is asking for us to do. Would you pay attention? You know, my 26th wedding anniversary is tomorrow. And I just want to say on the live broadcast, I love you, sweetheart. Kathy, you're the best things ever happened to me. And I'm so happy that we've been married for 26 years. I love you, babe. And I got to tell you, I haven't always been a good listener, but I tell you, my wife responds, if I would just listen, and by that, if I just remembered the littlest thing that she has said, she receives that love, and I believe God feels that way about us. Would we listen and just receive what he has said? All right, the second thing is that we should be slow to speak. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. I've heard this since I was a teenager and became a Christian, and that is we have two ears and one mouth, and we ought to use them in that ratio. Have you ever heard that before? That's just really good advice. Think about it. God gave you two ears but one mouth. God wants us to listen. Arguing is a real problem in our society today i mean that's an understatement all we have to do is look around mostly because no one is listening well the bible is filled with wise sayings that tell about the importance of holding our words proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 puts it this way too much talk leads to sin be sensible and keep your mouth shut hey wait the Bible said that? Yes, the Bible said it. How about if I just say this because it's just, it's a proverb. It's from God's word and it applies today. Listen, everybody on social media. Proverbs ten nineteen: Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That will help you out. I guarantee many of you that have had problems on social media. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 says this A truly wise person uses few words, a person with understanding is even tempered. Again, let me just point to social media where it is so popular right now just to be a troll. You could be cool if you're a troll. If you could just put someone down with some sarcastic saying and use some mean words and your friends all come and like what you had to say because it was so, you blasted that person so good, that's so popular right now, but that is not a godly way to act. Proverbs 17.27 says a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. That tells me that if someone's not even-tempered, if they're sarcastic and rude and name-calling, they're not wise at all. That's scriptural. And we need to understand that. We could spend all day just talking about how to apply these truths. Look no further than Twitter. Look no further than Facebook and social media. How many fights and arguments have arisen over posts? How many friendships have been broken needlessly, including between family members? One little thing is said, and pretty soon, people turn into trolls, and they start slinging the names. In Luke 10, 25 to 29, there's this religious lawyer that questions Jesus just to test him. (laughs) <laughs> how many know it's never a good idea just to test Jesus? He's going to get you, right? He always has a better answer. See, Jesus then turns around and asks him a question in return. And then when he gives the correct answer about how to receive eternal life, Jesus affirms his answer by saying, yes, that's right, that's it. Do that. Okay? And since the answer involved loving God and his neighbor, this wasn't good enough for the lawyer, so he questions Jesus again, and he says, well, who is my neighbor? Well, you see, the man just wanted to argue with Jesus and not listen, thinking that he could make Jesus look bad. But Jesus isn't rattled, and he goes into the story of the Good Samaritan. And then once again, he questions the lawyer about who is the neighbor in the story. And then he allows this expert in the religious law to answer his own question a second time. Notice the tactics of Jesus. He uses questions. He tells stories And he allows the arguer to answer their own question rather than beating them down with the correct answer. Do you see how Jesus is wise? How he uses few words? How he's not getting ill-tempered? Jesus is very wise and someone we can learn from. My wife will often do this with people who say things that aren't true. Instead of arguing, she'll ask them questions and see if there's some kind of opening for that person to change their thinking and come to the truth without beating it over their head. So if Kathy Brown ever asks you a question, (laughs) all right, the third part is slow to get angry. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Going back to David for just a moment, there's a story in the Bible, one of my favorites, where Nathan the prophet confronts David about how he stole Bathsheba, who was Uriah the Hittite's wife, and one of David's soldiers was Uriah, and then he had Uriah killed. This was pretty bad. Pretty bad thing David did. But in the story, the prophet Nathan uses a story. He confronts David, and he uses a story to get his point across to David, and he tells him about a rich man who had many sheep and how he had stolen a poor man's only ewe lamb. And David becomes angry very quickly, all right? And he's angry at the rich man in the story, and he simply says that anyone who did such a thing should die. They deserve to die Well, the problem was David was the rich man in the story, and it got him right into the heart, and this is when David repented. David was like a man who broke a mirror because he didn't like the image in the mirror. In the same way, James warns us not to get angry at God's word because it's like a mirror that shows us what we look like spiritually, not to condemn us, but to help us turn to Jesus, who is the answer to our sin problem. All right, we're getting ready to to wind this up, but I want to give you one more point here, and that is to have a prepared heart. The human heart is like a garden. If it goes unattended for very long, the soil produces only weeds. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of my backyard. I'll never forget the day when I looked in the backyard after about five months of neglect. And I looked out, it looked like a forest. There were tree sapling that had grown up everywhere. We have it on video camera. Jenny was just a little girl. And we went in the backyard to pull up all these trees in the forest in my backyard. Listen, we must pull the weeds and prepare the soil to receive God's word. If we do not first prepare the soil of our heart, God's word cannot be received and produce fruit in our lives. So how do we prepare our hearts quickly? We must first repent of our sins and ask the Father to forgive us. John 1.9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. The second thing is, we need to meditate on God's love and grace and ask him to break up the hardness in our hearts. Jeremiah 4.3 says it like this, plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among thorns. And then finally, we must have a humble attitude. James 1.21 says, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. So to receive God's word humbly means we have to accept it, do not argue with it, and honor it as the word of God. Too many people try to twist the Bible and conform it into their own thinking. If we can't receive the word of God into our hearts, then we are deceiving ourselves. When all we do is argue our points of view, we are fooling ourselves into thinking that we are growing spiritually when in reality, all we might be doing is cultivating the weeds. Lord, help us to receive your word.